there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people, and today I have four of them. They've all started their own businesses, and this is the holiday gift guide episode of the year. So we're going to give you some ideas for some Christmas gifts that you can get for your friends and family. The people that I have this time out are the author Eddie Shapiro, whose book Here's to the Ladies is perfect for the Broadway lover in your life. It's interviews with some of the great women of musical theater. We also have Patrick Marks, who started making sugar cookies during the pandemic and discovered that he's fucking awesome at it. So we're going to talk to him all about becoming a cookie mogul. We also have Dudley Bean. He's a friend of mine. He's a very creative person. He had a film that we talked about a few years ago called First Period, but he went into this business selling caftans, designing and selling caftans. Uh, His company is called Studly Duds, and we're going to talk to him about that. And finally, we have Michael DiMartino. He is the man behind Pillow Top. It's a line of pillows and other home furnishings, very queer. He's also doing wrapping paper this year, sexy stuff, fun stuff. One of his pillows, this harness pillow, was featured on the Netflix show How to Build a Sex Room. So, come on. So we're going to talk to all four of those guys and give you guys some ideas for things to buy this holiday season. But before we get to the interviews, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by Liquid Paper. No, it's not. I don't have any sponsors. But I do want to mention something that one of my past podcast guests has put out into the world. Drown Town is a dog-walking detective's mystery by Stephen Silverman, who was on the podcast earlier this year with a play. So if you like mysteries, it sounds really juicy and fun. Drown Town. You can find it wherever you get your books. Um, I also want to let you know that there are two ways you can support this podcast if you enjoy it. One is by going to DennisAnyone.net and leaving a tip in my virtual tip jar. Helps me cover my expenses. I really appreciate it. Or I would love it if you became a subscriber to DNR Studios. I'm part of a group of shows under the Derek and Romaine banner. And for a monthly fee, you get my show early and all these other great queer shows. And you can learn about that at DNRStudios.com. Also, I got to get a plug in for the Mismatch Game. It's coming back. It's going to be on Saturday, December 9th at 8 p.m. It's our I'll Be Homo for Christmas edition. It's at the Remberg Theater at the LA LGBT Center. Here's who's in the lineup. Dante is going to be playing Christopher Lloyd. Nadia Ginsburg is Cher. Tom Lank is Heidi Klum. And I think there might be a song there. Rebecca Cochin is Jennifer Coolidge. Nicole Parker is Celine Dion. And I think there might be a song there. And Felix Pyre as Silver Lake Santa. Very edgy. Very fun. Um... Come celebrate with us. Tickets start at $20, and the link is on my Instagram bio. You can also go to LALGBTcenter.org and just click around on the arts and entertainment, whatever tab you can find, and, and, and you'll find it. All right, now on to the holiday gift guide, and let's get things started with the man behind the pillows, Michael DiBartino. Joining me now from Los Angeles, it's Michael DiMartino, the founder of Pillow Top, an amazing Pillow shop online, and you you pop up here and there. You were in Palm Springs, I saw. So, right. welcome to the podcast. No, thanks for having me. So, you have very queer, gay, fun, sexy, stylish pillows. When did you start thinking of this idea? How did it come about? Uh, I moved to Provincetown uh, about three years ago, and I just needed a little space to just kind of sew and do my own little thing. And uh, I found a little a little hole in the wall in uh, McMillan Wharf, and uh, I didn't realize it was in the middle of a mall. And people started to come in while I was sewing, and I said, oh, wow, what can I do that would be quick? And I could sell some things of mine that I make. What would be quick and easy? And pillows were the easiest thing to sell. 
So, uh, and because I'm in Provincetown, I mean, it's the gay Mecca of the whole world. Uh, I said, you know what, maybe I can start illustrating things specifically queer oriented home decor for gay people. We put gay art all over our walls. Why not on our couches and on our beds? I love that. So you got the space kind of as a workspace and then you realized, yeah. oh, this this could be a retail space because people seem to be coming around. Very yeah, cool. People knocking on my door and poking their head in and saying, what do you sell? And I'm like, uh, uh. So, yeah, it kind of evolved organically. It was really great. Well, your designs are really cool. Do you do the – some of them have illustrations on them. How do the – how are those created? So some, so some of them I illustrate myself. Right on. Some of them old paintings of mine that I've transferred over onto fabric. Right on. And then a lot of the times I will hire queer artists from around the world and they'll do like watercolor paintings or digital drawings as well. And I'll have those put onto fabrics and textiles as well. And then you do some that aren't uh, images, but like you do this leather pillow with a harness that got featured on Netflix's How to Build a Sex Room. How did that happen? So uh, same thing. I was in that little hole in the wall and a woman came in and she said, oh, can you make these in different colors, like blue leather and red leather? And I said, sure. I said, what is this for? She said, I can't tell you the name of it, but it it could be featured on a Netflix show coming up next year. This was two years ago. Um, And so that night I contacted like a leather supplier and the following morning they overnighted all these different leathers to me. And I made, you know, all these harnessed pillows so that they could feature them on the show. Um, And it just, again, it just kind of like a happenstance. It was so strange, you know. Well, the camera loves those pillows. They got a lot of love shots. They didn't say your they name, but they were. I was like, "Give yeah. him a plug!" Like, where's the graphic? But yeah, they, they did. But they looked amazing. Did you get? They did. Did Did people find you from that show? People found me from the show. I think just by typing in leather harness pillows. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they they panned across those things quite a bit. Oh, I'm like, they love those pillows. They're loving those <laughs> pillows. Um, you know what it is? Uh, they are chic enough that you can have out. Yeah. They, they, they're not overtly sexual, but right. they're, they have an edge yeah. look to them. And if you know, you know. But yeah. Otherwise, they just look like chic pillows. And I think that's why they worked so well. Yeah. Did you ever hear from the couple that got them in their dungeon? Did, you, did they ever no, send never. pictures? No. <laughs> no. I, I, although, I, although other people who have ordered it from my online shop, they have sent me photos of where they put these things in their dungeons. So <laughs> I've seen a bunch of things. <laughs> that must be very uh, flattering. It must make you feel good. You know? It does make me feel good, yeah. Whether it's the leather ones or the other ones, it's just nice to have your creation in someone's home. They liked it enough to support it and have it in their home, and I think that's wonderful. I love it. That Netflix show is is very engrossing. I was like, how are they going to get eight episodes out of this idea? And I was like, oh, they're doing it. First of all, she's like the Angela Lansbury of sex designer people. It's just funny. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And you had a West Elm moment recently. Talk about that. That looked really cool. Yeah, this year was kind of a, a big year for me. I we I was in West Elm. We did a collaboration, um, and I featured a bunch of mid-century designs. So it wasn't just an illustration of a sexy man. It was more illustrations of patterns, 1950s um, motifs and shapes and colors. And I did them in uh, woven throws as well, and it went really well. Um, and then uh, about a month before that, I was in Nordstrom's for uh, – it was for a gay, uh, gay pride in, in June, and that was really awesome as well. They're very supportive, and they, 
they do their real, their damnedest to support the gay local artists. And the whole first floor was taken up by us. So that was really fantastic. Wow. Which Nordstrom? In Los Angeles? Um, the flagship in New York. Oh, wow. So you no, get to go there and set up your shop and the whole thing. The whole thing, yeah. And, and Nordstrom didn't take a dime. Wow. They just feature you and they're happy to support it. And they had a whole uh, event with uh, people walking around with hors d'oeuvres and, and liquor and a DJ. And it was great. And this is the second year they've done that with me. They keep inviting me back, which is super sweet. How fun. But then at the yeah. end, they're like, bye, it's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's over. Take your stuff. How much did you sell through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that term, sell through. Did you ever think you would be this kind of a business person? Was this something that you always wanted to do, start something of your own? Um, I've never I've never considered myself a business person. I'm only just now starting to believe that I can be a business person. Right, you're um, doing it. I, I've always had the creative spark to want to – do my own thing. Right. I never really felt like I fit into the world and the way it currently works. Right. Um, so, but I've always been on the more creative side of things. And so I'm happy that I get to put something out there that people enjoy and it's, it's working so far. What's the hardest part about it? What's the part where you're like, Oh, this is a lot to learn. Oh God. Gosh. Um, anything having to do with paperwork. Yeah. Taxes, paperwork, Oh God, it's such a learning curve, especially for a person who has like a more of an artistic brain. Yeah. I get, you know, cross-eyed within 30 seconds. I really do <laughs> that. You're doing some Palm Springs themed stuff, right? Are you, are you out there or is it all online? Yes. I was in a store out there called Queertique. Nice. And then recently I was in Ball Beachwear, which has three locations. The first is in Provincetown. Right. The second in Palm Springs. They have a massive store and it is beautiful. So if you're in Palm Springs, you should definitely check it out. And they also have a location in Fort Lauderdale, which we are about to talk about moving some pillow top merchandise into there as well. I love that. Um, Queertique, I don't think exists anymore. Um, yeah, they closed last year. Yeah. Such a bump. Such cool things. You want to hear a funny story about Queertique? So yeah, it, it's, it's like all, all gay um, entrepreneurs and artists and stuff. So I dropped off a copy of the game that I created with your friend of mine, Jeb Havens. You don't know my life there to, for them to consider um, sure. selling it. And I followed up with an email. Never heard anything. Nothing ever happened. And then a okay. friend of mine texted me and he goes, hey, I'm in the critique and they're selling your game. They literally sold the sample that uh-huh. I – well, they tried to sell it. Maybe they didn't get a buyer. But I was like, you know, I try. That- I, that's funny. You can't help it. You can't help it if they sell your sample. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> so you're doing wrapping papers for the holidays. They're really sexy. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, yeah, I figured if someone, you know, pillows are a hard sell. It's not the easiest thing. It, it's based on what the person's room looks like, what their aesthetic is. Can they even put a queer-oriented pillow out there, even if it's not overtly sexual? Do you want, right? you know, a sexy man on a, on a pillow? Um, but I figured that even if they can't gift a pillow, maybe they can wrap it yeah. with something that's a little more unique. And so I started to design um, a, a range of different, like some are nostalgic, old-timey watercolors. Some are a little more sexy men with little mistletoes on their nipples. Some are gingerbread men who have little leather chokers on. And it's some of them you have to look really carefully to see how it's gay. Uh, so you can still slip it under your tree and not have too many people look at it. Right. Um, but in general, I, I love the idea that we get to have our Christmas the way we want as well. I love know? that. Um, did you design a bowling ball? Did I see that on your Instagram? I <laughs> yeah. I, I worked with Tom of Finland this year. Fun. And, uh, 
It was really What fun. did you do with them? Um, I illustrated a bunch of more modern – a modern take on Tom of Finland. Nice. Um, guys are not quite as uh, balloon animal-ish. You right. Now they're a little younger, maybe more of a twonk. Yeah. Um, I love the so term I, twonk. Twonk is a, a – twonk. Yeah, it's relatively new and I like it. I'm, I'm embracing a, it. A twinky hunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I illustrated a bunch of black and white photos and then I w- had them woven into pillows and they sell them in culture edit here – in care of the uh, culture edit Tom of Finland store in nice. uh, Los Angeles. And, uh, but you know, they're, they're, they're my designs and I, I love bowling and I go every week. I'm part of the gay bowling league in LA. Oh, fun. And, I kind of want to do that. Is it fun? Oh my God. You should totally do that. Okay. There, I, I would personally love that because I would love to have friends on my team who I know and like can have a blast. I love that you made a bowling ball. Is that your bowling ball that you use? It is my bowling ball that I use. And uh, yeah, I, again, because the gay bowling league, I was like, oh, I got to do something fun for this. So it's like, you must be the water. envy of the whole league. So describe for people that haven't looked at it, what does it look like? So the bowling ball is pure black. Yeah. And it has an outline of a very sexy, probably late 20s guy with coiffed hair and sunglasses on and a very strong jaw and some nice lips. And it's all like just a black and white, it's called a vector image. So it's just plainly black and white, no shading. It's really beautiful. It looks like something that can come out of a comic book. And it's just his head floating in the middle of this black ball. And it's really beautiful. It's getting super scuffed up now. But of course, because okay. you're, yeah. you know, you're knocking down those pins. Lobbing that thing, How yeah. do you find a place that can make a custom ball like that? Um, Google. There you go. There you go. I Googled it. It must be the envy of the whole lane. Everyone must love it. Yeah, a lot of people love it. Yeah, of it's course. Fun, you know? I love that. Um, what's your bestseller? Oh, oh, uh, gosh. You know, when I first opened, I actually had painted a penis coming out of a banana. I've seen that. I have the painting. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, my husband's going to hand it to me. This is the painting I did. <laughs> yeah. Like, like 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, I put it on a pillow just for the fun of it because it's Provincetown. And my mom came into the store and she's like, why are you selling that? No one's going to want that. It was the best seller. I could not keep it in shock. People you know, love the penis, the banana penis. And it's funny and it's novel and you get some bridesmaids, you know. Oh, yeah. Bridal groups coming in and it's just funny. And uh, I think people like that. That was the number one seller. The leather harness pillows did really, really well. And now the wrapping paper this month has gone crazy. And I'm so, I'm so thrilled that people really like that kind of thing. How can people learn about what you do? Where do they need to go? Um, I would say I'm most active on Instagram. They can go to the pillow top shop. That's my handle on there. And what's the website? The website is called the Nice. When did you know you could draw? Oh, I've been drawing since I was maybe eight years old. I used to draw anime characters. I used to watch Dragon Ball Z and all those, and I used to love drawing those. So I've been doing it for a long time. And it's this is a mix of business and getting to exercise those muscles. It is, and I love sewing. I used to make coats for my mom. So I get to kind of combine a bunch of worlds together. And to be able to express it to, you know, in this queer way is also really fun because it's something that's not really out there right now. There's not much queer-oriented home decor. There really isn't. So I'm really happy to be in this realm. Have you ever gone somewhere and seen some of your stuff and you didn't know the people really or you didn't know they had it? Have you seen your stuff out in the wild? Uh, I have, actually. Actually, I was at my friend's birthday party two months ago and people who had come over... Uh, two of them were like, oh, I bought your stuff uh, 
last year, or I have this sitting on my couch and I had no idea. And uh, sometimes my friends will send me photos when they go to people's houses and they're like, is this your pillow? I'm like, oh, it is my pillow. So I love it. And I also love when um, I get orders from like Australia or Germany. And I love the idea that it's all around the world and not just in America. That's really fun for me to think about, you know. Here's my final question. What has it meant for you in your life to have this outlet to have started this business? Um, well, like I said before, <clears throat> I never really felt like I fit into the world and the way the current systems work. And uh, it always made me feel really bad. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was failing at just life in general because I didn't fit into the mold. So to be able to express myself and have people appreciate that and be able to make a living off of it. Uh, it has meant the world to me because it's not just uh, validating, you know, income and you can be a successful adult. It's validating who I am as a person. So I really love that. What a great note to end on. Thank you, Michael. People need to go buy your pillows and your wrapping paper. Oh, thank you very much for having me on the show. I love it. Thanks again to Michael DiMartino. You can follow him on Instagram at the Pillow Top Shop or go to his website, thepillowshop.com. All right, I'm feeling very theatrical at the moment, so let's talk to Eddie Shapiro. He's the man behind the new book, Here's to the Ladies, more conversations with the women of musical theater, or conversations with more of the women. Anyway, it's his third book in this area, uh, and he's really good at what he does at bringing these women to life and getting them to really tell their stories. So let's talk to Eddie. Joining me now from Los Angeles, it's author Eddie Shapiro. His book is perfect for the musical theater lover in your Life. It's called Here's to the Ladies, Conversations with More of the Great Women of Musical Theater. This is your third big interview book. Congratulations. Thank you. It's amazing that people are still willing to talk to me. I, these actresses, these stars, well, here's what I think, because I've known you a long time, and I remember when you were first starting to undertake this project, and you were trying to get these big Broadway legends to talk to you and then one would say yes and then a few more would come and it was kind of like but now i could imagine being a broadway uh actor and seeing the first book and being like oh how did i miss that i got to get into this next one so i would imagine the more of these you do the easier it is to get the people to do it because you do such a good job and you honor their work and the conversations are so rich and interesting and respectful like well you're not out to get them Right. There are no gotcha questions. It is, it is about celebrating them without being puffy or, you know, just like, you know, softball questions. But it, it, I mean, there's a lot on earth, but it's not about, um, it's not about trapping them in gossip. But, um, I'd like to think that like, you know, in my fantasy after the first one, you know, Barbara Streisand is trying to find my number somewhere. Yes, I'm sure um, she is. Yeah, but I don't think that's happening. But uh, but the but the reality is that the for the first one when I was you know more unknown to these people, I, they were sort of like, well, who the hell is this guy? And now um, it, it was much easier. And in some cases, like for the second one with Joel Gray, he was like, well, can I see the first one? And I sent him the first one, and then he called me immediately. He's like, yeah, let's do this. Right. So yeah, it's, it's nice to have the calling card. Right. So this is your third book. Um, who is featured in this book? Can you rattle them off? I've written some down. Okay, rattle them off. Barbara Cook and Faith Prince and Kelly O'Hara and Jesse Mueller and Stephanie J. Block and Carrie Butler, Tanya Pinkins, um, uh, Mary Beth Peel, um, Judy Kuhn. One of the one of the chapters that I'm most pleased to be able to include. um, There's a chapter on. Maren Maisie. And Maren Maisie is somebody, you know, for, for listeners who aren't maybe as familiar with Broadway, Maren Maisie's 
gone. She, she died. And, um, I had asked her to do that first book. Um, and, uh, she agreed, but our timing didn't work out. And by the time I was doing the second one, she was gone. And I was talking to the actor, Norm Lewis about that and just sort of saying how sad I was and uh, not to have captured her story. And he said, do it anyway. Um, and that kind of inspired me to think about, well, could I? And because, you know, as you know, I get, I, I, I talk to people about their own experiences. So I was like, well, if I talk to a bunch of people she worked with and to her ex-husband, to her widower, um, I can get firsthand accounts. And if I ask them to just focus on not their own opinions, but what did they, what did you see or what did she tell you directly or what did you experience with her so I can get as close to a firsthand account of, you know, as if she's telling the story. Um, and I was really actually happy with the way that came out because I felt like it, it's, it's just a, it's a strong tribute to her. I had a friend that went to school with her when, when they were younger and he was always so proud of her and he would just talk. Yeah. And I was like, we get it. You know, Mary amazing. Like, but now, you know, what a, what a great thing that you did. Like you honored her. I have this thought now, especially like, this is the summer of the diva tours, the Taylor Swifts and the Beyonce's. And I went to see Beyonce and I was there and I was like, all of these people, all of this industry, and one person has got to go out there and do their thing. And I think about that in terms of Broadway performers. There's some days I don't feel like getting on Zoom. And these people go out there and do that. Eight times a week. Yeah. I'm kind right. of in awe of the, the physical will. Um, yeah. And I'm sure sometimes, most of the time, it's probably a joy. But you have oh. to do it. There's nobody else that can do it. I mean, there's an understudy or whatever, but right. it's that thing yeah. of like, well, I, I got to deliver. You always have to deliver no matter what's going on, no matter what, you know, no matter what you ate that morning, no matter what your mood, you know, all of that stuff. But then on top of that, and this is the part that's always, so you say it's, you know, probably a joy. And maybe it is when you're in a hit right? When you're in a show that works and that's a good show, then you're delayed. But what if you're in a show as frequently happens? And I ask this question of people like, what if you're having to sort of sell a show that you know is crap? That like you're doing it and their reviews have been bad and you know, it may look good on paper, but it's not working out, you know? And and then, and, and, and it's open and it's, you just, you know, in your heart that it's not good and the reviews do not, and you still have to sell that crap. Yeah. You know, that, that's hard. Or when, I mean, Adrian Warren talks in, in this book, you know, she was Tina in Tina and how physically exhausting that was and how depleted that made her. Or Alice Ripley talks about in Next to Normal, the emotional toll that that role took on her and that, you know, she would essentially spend the time between performances, recover, both of them, recovering in order to get there for the next performance, you know, and that's your whole life. It's just living in, in, in pre- preparation for having to do it again the next night. I saw Tina on tour here in LA and I, I don't remember the performer that it was, but the whole company was performing as though the audience was full of agents that could make their dreams come true. They well, were leaving it all on the floor. Every last one yeah. of them, especially the Tina. And I was like, how does she, how do they go on and do anything after that, let alone get up and do that again? I, the like, stamina, he, the physical I mean, demands. Yeah, and, and how do you speak? I mean, the Tina, 
the vocal demands of that. So it's all, this is, I mean, th- that's what we talk about in this book, that the, the, the craft of it, the will of it, the, what inspires you, how, you know, and also the, the exhaustion and not just the exhaustion sort of, you know, of, of, um, of, of the eight a week, but then the exhaustion of the totality of a career, like the numbers of people who get to a point where they're kind of like, yeah, I did all of that. I did my 10 Broadway shows. Now, uh, okay. Like I'll, uh, if, if something comes along that really piques my interest or that's really exciting, I could see myself doing it. But am I jonesing for my next, you know, what's my next one? Not necessarily. And that's also interesting. Do you just want to you play know? a judge on a CBS procedural, wear a robe, bound, pound a gavel, cash a check? Exactly. The numbers of people who are ready for that, or for that matter, you know, like I mentioned Judy Kuhn. Judy Kuhn is somebody who, I mean, God bless Pocahontas, because Judy Kuhn was the voice of Pocahontas, and that gave her uh, enough money um, uh, to make choices. So she kind of left the business for a while to raise her daughter until her daughter went off to college. And then when she came back to the business, she did do fun home on Broadway and was incredible. And she did do Fiddler on the Roof, but she's also done a ton of off Broadway right now. She's working at the classic stage company and I can get it for your wholesale. And she's fantastic in it, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little theater where the paycheck is not big and the dressing rooms are shared, but she can, she's making artistic choices now, not financial ones. Um, cause she's at the stage of her career where, you know, she's done that and got, you know, it's lovely to be able to, to do that. You've interviewed all of these Broadway legends. What is it like for you to go see them in a new show after you've interviewed them? You've been to their houses. Some of them you're like, Oh yeah, she served me a ham and cheese sandwich. It was delicious. And now here she is again. Like, what is that like to know them a little bit behind the curtain and then go see them? I, I love it. I mean, in fact, you know, I'm going, this is sounding so bougie and so name droppy. So forgive me for what's about to happen, uh, what I'm about to say. But like, I'm, I'm leaving for Chicago on Sunday because Faith Prince called me up a week ago just to shoot the breeze. And like, I, like 12 year old me, you know, is dying inside that Faith Prince is just calling to say hi. First, nobody she- calls anybody ever to shoot the breeze. That is not something <laughs> right. that's done yeah. in and 2023. She's doing the new Betty Boop musical, Boop, directed by Jerry Mitchell in Chicago. And she's like, come see the, come see this. I think you should really see this. I'll, I'll get you a comp. And I'm like, well, okay. Yes. So I'm going off Good. to Chicago. And that, that, I mean, we're getting off, uh, off topic a little bit from the book, but I knew that I would be able to sort of sit on the couch and bask in the glow of all of these people. And, and that was, of course, a, a tremendous perk for a big theater geek like me. Um, but to sort of now get to feel like forgetting about friendship, that, that's a whole other thing. But like to, for, for Faith Prince to be saying, come see this new piece. I'm interested in you seeing it from an artistic perspective. You know, just she talks about it as being one of the few things that she's done at this stage that feels cohesive and she wants me to see it and to feel like, oh, right, I'm being respected as a as a as somebody who appreciates the craft. That's really rewarding to me. You're part of this world now. I see that humble look on your face, but you are. Are there themes that emerge as you've been working on these books that you think about as maybe it wasn't on your mind at the beginning, but now you sort of think about what oh my God, theater yes. means to you, to, to people, why it's important, like, Total, like mean, big so picture many, things. So many. Um, uh, I mean, one of them we already touched on, which is, you know, what it actually means, what it actually – What it takes. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what it costs you um, on all levels. But then separate from that, um, there are things that I hadn't really considered before I embarked on this project. Like um, one thing that is almost um, universal is the level of insecurity. And I never would have guessed that. I would have thought, oh, all of you people are at the top of your game. You're at the top of your career. Like, you know, you're not worried about your next gig or you're not worried about whether or not you're good You've enough. You've made it. Whether- yeah. Right. That, but the, the, the level of, of insecurity manifests differently, but the level of insecurity is huge. Um, so that was a huge surprise. And another um, uh, thing that shouldn't have been a surprise, but I guess I hadn't really considered it as much, was the amount of responsibility that leading players take for setting the tone and leading a company and being the spokesperson and the advocate for that company. The people, you know, so, so when... Uh, conditions are bad backstage or where there's bickering or where there's, there's, um, you know, there's not a lot of ventilation or whatever. The, 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 the younger ensemble members count on the leading actors to be a voice that will be heard. Um, and some people take that, that, that role and also the, the morale backstage and keeping, yeah. keeping morale up for a long run. And people take that very, very seriously. Um, and, um, uh, and also they talk in, in these books about the ways it was modeled for them too. Um, several people talked about David Hyde Pierce and both in, in um, Curtains and in Hello, Dolly. What an amazing cheerleader he was at keeping morale up and keeping people feeling like we're in a company where we want to go to work every day. Yeah. We want to show up every day and do this thing. Um, and it, that's not something I'd ever thought about before until I started talking to these people. I was at a musical at the Gay and Lesbian Center earlier this year called A New Brain, and it was um, very intimate. Like, it was kind of in the round, and it was a very small space. I, you could touch the actors at any given moment. And I was just struck by – Yeah, for better or worse. And I was just struck by this idea of, like, what an exercise this is. We've all agreed that we're all just going to come in here and pretend. We even, The audience is committed to it. The cast is – we're all going to do this thing. We're going to – and they're going to go balls out. Like – just what an amazing thing it is that theater is. It just, yes. Just, and why? And think about why, right? Because we all want to connect and we yeah. all want to feel things. And that's what you're chasing. Yeah. Um, and by the way, to her credit, one of the great, this goes back to the first book, but one of the things that Patty Lapone said to me. Um, I love when uh, you start a sentence like that, by the way. <laughs> one of the things Patty Lapone said to me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Again, to, to, to get a dustpan. Because it also implies that there were many things, and I'm only going to give you one. <laughs> well, but that's what the book is for, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but Patty Lapone makes the point better than, than I've ever heard it made, you know, because we all get annoyed by people's uh, audience behavior. Sure. Um, uh, by, you know, people with their water bottles and their, their candy wrappers and their talking and whatever. And Patty Lapone said, we all invest so much. We on stage and you in the audience, we all invest so much in being in this world, the world of what's going on on stage. And the minute that you are crinkling your water bottle, you're yanking us all back to 2023. Yeah. And, 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 and we're all working really, really hard to buy into this conceit that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and you with the water bottle are, 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 are disrupting that for everybody. And I thought, yeah, that's a really, really good, other than just sort of being irritated by the inconsiderate behavior of people, there's, there's a reason. Right. Like, we're focused. 
It's a I'm delicate to... trance. We're all in this delicate trance yeah. together. Don't mess it up. Right. Exactly. With your exactly. candy wrapper. Um, right. What have you learned about yourself through writing these books? Oh, God. Um, that uh, you can put your scary fandom to good use. Right. But uh, they're big. Uh, they're ambitious. They're, yeah, they're a ton that. of work. Like, you must be able to go... You must be able to think, okay, I'll chip away at this, and it, over. T- you must be able to stay committed to something big and unwieldy. Yeah, th- there's that. But 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 in all seriousness, that the, the 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 thing that I learned. So Barbara Cook's chapters in this book, and the Barbara Cook chapter, uh, that means the the Bar- I actually interviewed Barbara Cook for the first book, and then by the time I was ready to publish, she she asked me not to uh, include the chapter because um, she. Uh, was writing her own autobiography. So I respected that. But now when this new volume came out, um, I went to her son because Barbara's gone and, and got his permission. Um, and um, so I'm very happy to run the chapter. But Barbara Cook was the first person who said something to me that, 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 that I, that I, that it's a pretty important lesson from this book um, or these books. I was leaving her house and she took me by both hands and she said, you know, lovely words. But then she said, you know, you're really good at this. And I am very bad at compliments. And I sort of shrugged it off and made some joke as I typically do, because that's me. Um, And she grabbed me hard and she said, no, listen to me. You have to know you're really good at this. And I walked home sort of dazed because I'm in love with Barbara Cook and just the experience overall that that had happened was cool. But then I was like, Barbara Cook has been interviewed a bunch of times. And if she's telling me that this stands out for her as different from other interviews, I have to take that in. And, and the feedback that I've gotten both from, from the, 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 the performers and from people who read the book is God, people open up to you so much. And, and, and I get asked why a lot. And it's not for me to opine on why. I, I, I'm not going to go into, you know, because it can't be objective about that. But I have learned that that is a, that's a, that's a superpower. <laughs> that people are willing to open up to me and willing to talk to me and consider me um, a good uh, conversationalist for this kind of thing. And so that was a big thing for me to learn and say, okay. Um, not, not about getting a big ego about it, but understanding that's the strength. So, you know, let's use that strength. Yeah. I just know as a friend, you make people feel safe. You can, you can talk to you. Uh, well, that's a, that's a lovely thing to say. Yeah, No, it's, it's true. Um, tell people how they can get the book. What do they need to do? Anywhere you can, anywhere books are sold. Right. There it is. You know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookseller. Yeah. Um, and um, I'll even say that uh, since it's the holiday season, um, for your listeners, Dennis, um, and people who know you, um, I'm very – or people who want to find me on Facebook, I'm very happy to connect with people and sign books for them if they like. Wow, um, look or, at that. They're also in the Drama Bookshop. I just did a, an event at the Drama Bookshop um, uh, at the, a couple of weeks ago and signed a ton of books with some of the ladies. Yeah. So they have um, copies at the Drama Bookshop in New York that are signed by several of the ladies and by me. This started as a dream, as an idea of something you wanted to do. What would you say to somebody that has an idea and is wondering, should I try? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the idea, I suppose, right. but 
would you ever say to anybody who had a dream, oh, no, don't do that. Right. (laughs) Of course, it's it's um, be be willing to commit to to it, of course, and be tenacious about it. Um, And this really I mean, this project took tons of tenacity and tons of patience. But it also um, I think that the thing about having a dream is to not at least for me, to not be too locked into what you think the outcome is going to be because it will be different. Right. Not better, not worse necessarily, but just different than the way you imagine the experience of doing it, the amount of time, what the finished product is going to look like. It's going to be different and that's okay. Yeah. But, but, but go down that river. Yeah. Go down that river. Uh, And finally, what has it meant to you in your life to have this project in addition to the other things that you do? Um, well, I grew up uh, devouring books like this. Um, I, I, you know, my collection of theater books is massive, and I used to just pour over this stuff, or go to the library and pour over these kinds of books. So, for me to have added to the canon for other people, other 11-year-olds and 12- and 13-year-olds like me, and I don't want to uh, imply that this book is merely for um, 11- and 12- and 13-year-old little gay boys, but um, but but sure. But that is a sweet spot. Audience. That's a sweet spot. <laughs> um, but but it, um, it, it, uh, it means a tremendous amount to me to be able to, to um, continue to, to, hopefully anyway, um, add to – the material that will continue to inspire and excite people about this genre, musical theater, which has meant so much to me, um, and and to um, to celebrate it. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. I'm proud of you. You're crushing it, and um, oh. people should pick up these books. They won't fit in a stocking, but you can buy all three of them and make a big. It could be that know. they'll fit in a nylon stocking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was stretchy stocking. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Eddie. Congrats on the book. Yay. Thanks again to Eddie Shapiro. Pick up his book wherever you get your books. Here's to the ladies. The music theater lover in your life will love it. And why not get all three like a package deal? All right. Now let's talk to Dudley Bean. He's the man behind Studley Dud's caftans. And I just love when you have a friend that's like, I'm going to go into a caftan business. Okay. And he's crushing it. Let's talk to Dudley. Joining me now from Los Angeles, it's my friend Dudley Bean. He's the founder of Studley Duds, Caftans, and other accessories. You're expanding, I've noticed. Uh, yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Honored to be here. So you started a caftan company. What inspired yeah. that? Well, you know, when you when you open a business, they say to look for the white space, an area that just isn't being fulfilled. And with more and more friends throwing caftan parties and looking for, you know, fun loungewear, I, I just saw uh, there was sort of an opening for a reasonably priced, outrageous, irreverent caftan company. And and I, I, I you chose to fill that void. It's not just for Helen Roper anymore. Um, no, no. I know because I was invited to one of those once and you go online and those caftans are expensive. You're like, yeah, yeah. So I thank you for stepping in and saving well, well, the day. Thank you. There, it, it, you know, there are, you can certainly get some, some super scratchy ones and you can get some super elegant ones. I want to hit that mid ground that feels great and, uh, is, is kind of a showstopper when you walk into a pool party. Do you like wearing them? Before you started oh, yes. this business, was that a thing like, I like this? What do you like about it? The flowing air, 
the comfort? Well, it's certainly, I I do a really high cut one. So we were in Palm Springs during a very hot day and that wind just goes through there and cools you off. But I, I think what I love is it's, a giant canvas, yeah. you know, a shirt, you've got a, a seam in the middle of pants. Uh, a caftan is just a big piece of fabric, a huge canvas that you can put something fun and iconic on. Yeah. And so I've, I've always loved that element of it. Well, let's talk about some of these designs. You have a Dolly Parton caftan, which is enchanting well, as I it would need you. to I, be I, for Dolly. Yeah, I took four four eras of Dolly. I've got uh, the Porter Wagner. I've got the Nine to Five, the crossover albums, and then Dolly of Today. Dolly of Today. Um, and she's still giving you dollies. She's giving us Dallas Cowgirl cheerleaders oh, yeah, a week now ago. Now I need to revive it with Bear Midriff and Sparkles Dolly. <laughs> yes. Uh, you've got the Golden Girls, um, okay. which is a classic. When you're yeah. picking faces of the Golden Girls, how much work is that? Like, when you decide... How you? What's the rose face going to look like? I, what's your process? Yeah, well, it, it's I, I work with a very talented uh, illustrator on that one, and I kind of tell them what I want. But uh, I wanted something that was flattering yet still looked like the character. It seems like everywhere I look, it's either something that looks like a Nagel version of right. the Golden Girls or something that just looks a little creepy. And so I think they nailed. These are the people in their most flattering light. But uh, I got a great one of Betty White with her head back laughing. I have B. Arthur giving you that smirk and stare. Right. So, yes. And a little flirt from uh, Blanche Devereaux. You have a hunky bear on your ooh honey caftan, right? That's oh, like yes. honey themed bear shirtless. It's sexy. I'm into it. Thank you. Thank you. And it's funny, you mentioned the three. Uh, I've just broken out into doing tote bags um, just because I'm all about. Unisex, uh, unisize things that everyone can use and wear. And so I have a new tote bag that is two foot wide by uh, 17 inches deep. So it, it holds a lot of stuff. But those are the three that I said, ah, yeah, pe- people need these for, for sexy beach times. For sure. What's your bestseller, may I ask? Um, I'd say, uh, you know, it's been Dolly because I've had it the longest. Yeah. But um, I have a couple of other fun ones. There's a there's one that has cocktail recipes that gets drunk as it goes down. It so things get slurred and cocktails get tipped over and you know you run out of stuff. So it just says you know scotchy scotch scotch and pancake syrup. Um, but uh, that one actually has done really well as well. Now Studley Duds is relatively new. Have you been out and about and seen somebody in your uh, in a Studley Dud and like not known them and just like a random stranger. Oh yes. I was on a, uh, I was on a cruise and I saw two people wearing them and I didn't want to be pompous and just say, Hey, Oh, I would have ran right over. I would have been like, we're going to be friends now. Like I would have just like, I would have bugged them for sure. But that's cool. I I came, I came over and said, Hey, you look great in these things first to make sure that they enjoyed it. They said, you know, they get lots of compliments. And I said, Oh, well that's my, my company. And, Gave him a little discount code and a little love, but uh, you know it, it's great. Uh, in Palm Springs, when we were selling it, uh, people actually ran over and said, oh, this is where they came from. I took a picture of somebody at this party wearing one, and I was wondering where it was. So that that's a real delight. That That is a true warm fuzzy. As a, somebody that started a new business, what was something that you learned that was like, oh, I, I like what was a tougher lesson to learn or like one of your more challenging things that you had to overcome? Oh, it's, um, you know, marketing 
is just such a huge thing when you're starting out a business and it's going to be slow going. You have your moments where uh, you're at the right place at the right time, Palm Springs, DragCon, things like this, where you're just selling and you're like, I'm, I'm in the land of milk and honey. And then you go through a long dead period. Right. You have to keep pushing, keep marketing and, and not get, uh, not get down about that. Yeah. I can relate to that with our, with our game. Um, when we created You Don't Know My Life, I remember the day that the box, the, the shipment came in and the truck showed up and I, it was just so thrilling. Did you have moments oh, yeah. like that with the shipment coming in or where you're like, oh, oh my God, this is really happening? You've, you've, you've seen something in your head, you've refined it, you know, because as you did with the design and me with the, the pattern making, um, it's all theoretical until it's in your hand and you have that moment where you open it up and you feel the fabric or the card or whatever it is for the first time. And you're like, oh, this is great. This feels luxe. This is real. And it's also the knowledge that you're in the same echelon as Milton Bradley. I'm in the same echelon as, uh, <laughs> uh, Talbot's, um, no, uh, <laughs> some, of, of some designer. And, and that's, that's cool to know that, that, that power is in all our hands to really create the same kind of thing that you buy in a store. What's your favorite part of the whole process? Um, definitely coming up with the patterns for me. I, I'm just very visual. I'm a designer by nature. I know my limitations. Um, uh, there's one that, uh, I am proud to say I've done from the ground up, which was a bunch of old wig ads and taking those and putting my favorite drag queen names on them, like Shanita quit or yeah. Carney Asada. But, um, that, you know, that's all me, but the other ones, you get these pieces, of, uh, you know, Blanche or Rose. And then how do you incorporate it? How do you, uh, represent that banana leaf wallpaper that we all know so well and make it into something that's going to be flattering as well. And I love that part of the process. I love watching your social media. Cause I know a lot of your friends and they, I see them in the caftans. What is it meant to you to sort of see your people kind of rally around and support your vision? And every time I see, Oh, there they are. And like, it's, there's oh. something sweet about it. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I, I realized I have a lot of good looking friends. So that's been great. <laughs> that's handy. <laughs> it's really handy. Yeah. 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 But, um, but more so, uh, you know, that's great for the marketing, but more so when I see people just having a great time or even, even better when they're being complimented in them. And, and I'm not saying that as a compliment to me because I, I came up with the design, just that. I've made something that they feel great in, that they look great in, and are getting noticed in that att that attention. That that makes me proud that they're having that experience, uh, and I'm a part of that in some way. Yeah, it's a new, unique thing. There's a hot dude yeah. in a Dolly Parton caftan. Okay, that's like you don't yeah. see that every day. Um, and, and yeah, go go say hi to somebody in a Dolly Parton caftan. I swear they got a story. What would you say to somebody that has an idea for something like this and is like, oh, should I try to do it? I don't know. It sounds hard. Maybe it'll be cool. What would you say to somebody that has an idea and is deciding whether or not to try? It's like all things. Do you really want to do it? If you're saying, ah, oh, it's going to be hard. I don't know. Like that. No, it's not for you. It's that's okay. Not everything's for you. Right. I'm not meant to be a, a pastry chef, but uh, if you are, no, I really think I could do this. It's been an incredible learning process. It's going to take a lot of it. You're going to have to talk to a lot of people who've done it before and just, uh, you know, just, just hear them pour out their heart. But it can be done. That's what I'd say. You know, first decide, 
how passionate you are about doing it. And if you are, it can be done. And it is such a cool learning process. It's such a feeling of achievement when you get something like this produced. What have you learned about yourself doing this? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I've learned that I, uh, I don't know a lot about business and that's been a big thing. Right. I know a lot about uh, creation and invention and, and marketing is what I do for a living, but the actual business side of it, um, I, I didn't know. So I, I, I've been learning a lot about that as far as who I am as a person. Um, I guess just the ability that if you, if you really have your heart in something, there's very little you can't achieve. Now I'm not saying you're going to be a huge success at it, but Whatever you do, if your goal is just to have a competent piece out there, whether it be an actor, writer, a, a creator, somebody who builds a product, if you have your heart in, you can actualize and realize that dream. I love that. All right. Your website is Studley Duds. Studley is D-L-E-Y, like Dudley, studleyduds.com. Yes. And they do fit in stockings. You could stuff stockings with several caftans. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have a tote bag. You can you can do a turducken of gifting. You can put a <laughs> you can put a uh, you know your cap stand in the tote bag. This is your first Christmas. This is your first Christmas, it is. isn't it? Wow, it is. so exciting! Um, final yeah. question: What has it meant to you in your life to have this? Because I know you said you have another job, but you have a, a, a main oh, yeah. job. What has it meant to you to do this on the side? I mean, it's been a new passion, and uh, honestly, the parts that I've enjoyed the most is working some of these festivals, um, some of these prides, and just uh, connecting to real people and seeing them really like something that I created. Um, you know, I, I assume it's what it's like to have art at an art gallery and have people come by, except unlike one piece of art that you you have and maybe it sells and you never see it again, I get to enjoy that experience again and again. And so that's that's been a really great feeling. I love it. All right. Thank you, Dudley. And uh, uh, I will you, talk Dudley. to you soon. I appreciate it. All right. It wouldn't be Christmas without some cookies. So let's talk to the man who turned his pandemic hobby into a sweet little side hustle. This is Patrick Marks from Cookie Patch. Joining me now from Los Angeles, it's Patrick Marks, the founder of Cookie Patch Cookies. Welcome to the podcast, Patrick. Thank you, Dennis. I'm so glad we're finally getting together and doing this. I know. Well, I saw your Instagram and I'm like, those cookies are incredible. I wonder where he bought them. And then you're like, no, that, he's making those cookies. You're making these yeah. cookies, these incredible decorative sugar cookies with all kinds of different designs. I mean, you're, yeah. you're supporting the SAG strike. You're uh, yeah. doing Cinderella dresses, the Academy Museum. So how did yeah. Cookie Patch come to be? Okay. It's so funny that we're talking about this today because um, it all came out of, of COVID. Um, and let me just start by saying I've never made a cookie before in my life. I've never decorated cookies. So this all started in 2020 after a 10-year relationship that um, we broke up. And I moved into an apartment in September. It was amicable. We're still friends. But um, every year at Paramount, which is where I work, that's my daytime job, I work there, there's a tree lighting uh, um uh, event that we have for family and friends and there's about a thousand people there and every year they have amazing desserts they have like these sugar cookies and every year i look forward to these sugar cookies because i love decorated sugar cookies and so last night was our tree lighting so i got to taste them 
uh, again, and I think mine are better, but um, what came of it was in 2020, you know, we were all working from home. We weren't uh, going into the office, and they sent out an email saying that they were canceling the Christmas party this year, which we all knew it was going to be canceled. And my first thought was, oh, my God, we're not going to have the tree lighting. How sad. It's so special and magical. Uh, and then my second thought was, oh, my God, I'm not going to have those sugar cookies. Yeah. And then I thought, um, where am I going to get sugar cookies? I need my and, fix. you got to have those sugar yeah. cookies. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's you can go to Starbucks, right? And there, mm. um, and I think Victor Bennis has some, um, Sweet Lady Jane, but only at certain times of the year. Anyway, I'm like, I'm going to make them. Like, I'm going to figure out how to make them. And I went on YouTube and I followed this woman who did this tutorial. And I just started taking notes. And I'm like, I think I can do this. Like, how hard can it be? You just make the dough and this and that. And then I went down this rabbit hole of like, well, now I've got to get a stand mixer. So I went to Target. And this is all like during COVID masking, you know, um, we were social distancing I don't know if you remember in the store, it was like there were arrows of certain aisles you can go down one way and not the other way. I mean, it was just like craziness. And here I'm like running around Target trying to get um, baking goods to start baking sugar cookies and seeing if I could do it. So that's how it all started. Wow, because one of my questions that I wrote down was, uh, did you know you were going to be this good at it? And you didn't know anything. You, It wasn't no. like, oh, I've dabbled in this and now I'm going to really right. go global. You just were starting from zero. Yeah, started zero, really YouTube. I followed this woman on there, and, and uh, she did this step-by-step tutorial. And, I mean, my first cookies, they were horrible. I mean, the, the, the frosting, I mean, there were all these terms I had to learn, too, like flooding a, a cookie and piping and, you know, all these different tools that they use. And um, I just was like, I was alone, you know? I was, I was thinking... I can figure this out. And I, here's the thing. I love to draw when I was a kid. So this is where my creativity as a kid and, and all through life, I love to draw and doodle. Um, so that's where that creativity came through. I'm like, oh, this is my, this is, I love drawing and I love creating cartoon characters and stuff like that. So it like married both those worlds, which I didn't even know was in the back of my mind somewhere for years and years and years. Well, your handwriting on the cookies is amazing. The block letters, the cursive, the versatility, like that, well, you cannot teach that. That is something you either have a gift for or you don't, and you have one, clearly. Yeah. It, we, and it's funny you're saying that because the woman that I followed, it was the first YouTube video I found. I'm like, I looked up decorated sugar cookies. Her video came up. Um, she was decorating cookies with a friend of hers. And then I started following her on Instagram. Um, her name is it's Sugar Cookies by Steph. And it's a woman. She lives in Utah. And I was following All her. All the best cookie always, makers live in Utah, by the way. Mrs. Fields, like it's a thing. Yeah. it's a, Well, a friend of mine who is from Utah, he's like, oh, that's a big thing out there, like decorated sugar cookies. It's a whole big cookie yeah. business like yeah. for missionaries and that for the the whole thing they they make cookies um but this woman i would follow her on instagram and she would always post stories and stuff like that and she was doing this thing that which i've never done because i have like 10 followers you may have done it before but it's it's where they post like ask me anything right right so she posted this ask me anything and all these people who follow her were asking her questions and so i'm watching the story and one of the questions was, is your grandfather really Charles Schultz? And I was like, wait, what? And I'm like, Charles Schultz, like, who created Peanuts? Yeah. And so 
she answers yes. My grandfather's Charles M. Schultz, and we grew up with the Peanuts and this and that. And I was like, oh, no wonder I love this woman's aesthetic because I love Charlie Brown. I love the Peanuts. You know, it's that block lettering that you said. And she is like a descendant of him and has like this creativity and the same kind of style. So I kind of mimic her. Um, but, you know, it, that's where I got it from. And that's, you know, the block lettering. And that all came from when I was a kid of drawing Charlie Brown and Snoopy and writing the, the writing like uh, Charles M. Schultz does. And I noticed you have a Snoopy apron. Very good. I do. I do. Snoopy so apron. I would feel like the first thing you need to do is make sure that cookies taste good. The basic sugar cookie. How hard was yeah. it to find that sweet spot? To coin yeah. a phrase. That's a good question too. I. It's so funny. I feel bad. I was thinking about this last night. I'm like, why did I send Dennis cookies beforehand so you could at least taste them and vouch for it? But I, I'll send. I'm you gonna some pretend now. that I'm eating one right now. Mmm, delicious. Know, aren't they good? So delicious. Yeah. Mm, just. But so. here's the thing. They really are good. Like, well, you have to. If they don't taste good, it's kind of a bummer. Like, they've got to taste good, right? I just went to an event recently, and they were giving sugar cookies, sugar cookies out. And I was, um, I tried one, and I'm like, these are really bad. The first thing I do when I go to parties like that, like I'll see, like I'm like, oh, why didn't they ask me? And then, you know, my friends like, there's 500 people here. I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not gonna make 500 cookies in my tiny little kitchen, but. it was trial and error, but this this woman's cookie recipe, which she, she put online, um, which I followed and kind of doctored in my own way and used different um, different ingredients, uh, it seemed to work. And hers was really good, and then I just kind of adapted it to my own style. And the good thing about my recipe is that you don't have to – most sugar cookie recipes – I didn't know this, again, until I started, like, researching – um, you have to make the dough and you have to put it in the refrigerator for like a couple hours or overnight or whatever. I'm like, I don't have time for that. And mine, you can make the dough, you can roll it out and you can make the cookies the same day, the same time. So it's like, it's great. You're and, breaking and the rules. Just, You're also a renegade. You're really disrupting I, this industry. There's a whole, it, there's this whole world. It's there's cookie which I didn't know that was a term. There's cookie con that they have every year. I've Amazing. never Amazing. Oh, yeah. It's this whole subculture world of cookiers. Um, and now, like, Food Network has, you know, the great, you know, the, the cookie challenge shows. For- you should go on there. Have you thought about it? I have. My friends are pushing me. So. Yeah, you should do it. Um, I hope that you become a real cookie snob. So if you go out to an event and you taste a cookie and you're like, Bleh! like, you literally, like, make a huge scene and that scene, becomes yeah. your kind of I think persona. you should do that at cookie con. Yeah. Yeah. Just go down the row and just vomit. Um, (laughs) Let me tell you a saga involving sugar cookies and why I have so much respect for you. So my birthday was a few months ago and I was doing a pretty in pink screening thing. And I was like, I'm going to make cassette cookies. First of all, I thought I'm going to get Patrick to make cassette cookies, but I think you were traveling or whatever. So I was like, I know I can do this. I ordered the, I ordered the cook cookie cutter and it was so cute and I watched a YouTube video. Long story short, I couldn't I could not do it. I the thing got stuck in the thing like it was a disaster. Right. I could not make one cookie. I'm like everyone's getting circles with pink on it and that's it. And also I realized that even if I had been good at it, the patience that it would take oh, to yeah. do those cookies line by line, word by word, do you find it sort of meditative like I feel like it's very work intensive. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. It is intensive. Now I'm the only one that does it. So when I've got like, 
I've learned that I like my limit is a hundred, like the, for an order. Like I can't do any more. Like I did one for a school that I partner with, um, that's in South Central, and they, they, it was like two hundred and fifty to three hundred, and I was done. But um, I won't do that again, unfortunately. But it is. It's meditative for me. It's like it's like really like I'm you know, I'm creating, which is great. And that's my creative outlet. And, um, it's, you know, I, I put on, I put on Sirius XM on Broadway. I listen to Broadway show tunes or, um, you know, whatever else I'm going to listen to, but usually Broadway show tunes. And I just sit there and I decorate and it is time consuming. And that's the thing because friends of mine have been like, Hey, you should find, um, you should find a space. Like you should open up your own bakery. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. Like I have two friends in LA that have amazing cookie shops. One is milk jar cookies. The other is Brady's bakery. But what they're doing is like drop cookies, right? So you're dropping cookies on a tray, like, like yeah. chocolate chip. They're baking them. Mine are like, I gotta, I gotta cut them out. I gotta make the dough, cut them out, right? And then I've got to bake them and then they have to dry overnight. So that's one day. And then I have to, you know, frost them with flooding and that has to dry before I can put top layers on it. I mean, it's their works like of three art. Four days. Yeah. Yeah. And the designs that you've done on your Instagram are so enchanting, so versatile. Um, what What is your masterpiece? What is the one where you're like, you know what, I kind of crushed that? Um, it's so funny. Every time I, every time somebody gives me an order to do, I'm like, oh, I, what can I do? And what have I seen in Pinterest that I can do? Um, there was a there was a gay pride one that I did for a friend of mine in Palm Springs who had a party out there. And it was like this effect of like and it was it was Palm Springs gay pride. So I'm like, oh I'm gonna do a palm tree. And then underneath the palm tree, like on the cookie, I did a like a, a rainbow um uh like a streak of it underneath. And then over top, I did this rainbow. It's on my Instagram. You can see it. I just thought those were the coolest cookies. I'm like, this is so cool. It's like Palm Springs. It's gay pride. It marries the two together. Um, but that's just one that comes to mind. But um, I don't know. My very first cookies I did, those are special to me. Um, the ones that I felt good good enough about to post. Um but there's some really good ones out there. There's some ones I'm I, oof, I'm not happy with them, but the people love them. And that's the thing that I love the most. Like, it brings so much joy to people. I love that. Like, I really just love being able to bring people joy through cookies. Have you done any famous Hollywood people? Because I know you did, like, Academy Museum pictures and um, uh, cookies. It's the way it's – I started making them, and somebody sent me a tweet Um from Mindy Kaling, she was like, she's like, hey, are there any great local LA cookie bakers out there? And they're like, you should respond, you should respond. So I responded to her and I'm like, and I was just starting out and I'm like, listen, here's my Instagram. And and she's like, oh my God, these are great. And she never got back to me, but she, whatever, she found someone. Um, so that was an almost. That was an almost. Uh, but and also never, almost Mindy Kaling. You know what? I've never. I've got a. I've got a bug in my ass about her, and and so I. I thought you might turn me around, but are you, are you glad I didn't do him for it? Well, no, she didn't. She <laughs> it never didn't work out. Me, so didn't work out. You know what? It validates what your thoughts. You know, yeah. she's on her own path. Uh, I like her work. It's all good. Um, um, I, so I do have two. Like Jonathan Bennett is a, is a good friend, and he also I did cookies for him. Mean and Girls Bears. Yep. What Mean Girls. From Men Girls, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So, and did you say there was another one? Beth Bears. Beth Bears. I know the name, but I'm yeah. trying to think what she's from. She's from one of those um, Breaking Bad or something. Broke, 
Two Broke Girls. Oh, right on. Love it. Yay. The neighborhood. Yeah. Um, what's the part of it that you're like, oh, I don't like this part? Uh, the part I don't like is when I have an order of like the same thing, like it's like for a school and it's like one cookie and it's a hundred and I'm just doing the same thing over and over again, like a hundred of them. Yeah. And I look over at the trays and I'm like, Oh my God, I've finished one tray and I've got like 10 more to go. And it's, it's, yeah, it's very defeating, but it's very rewarding when I do the last one, but I don't really, I'm not that creative when it comes to those special pre those special orders that are just one yeah. thing. That's the same. Yeah. I like when you do like a theme, like these cookies go together and there's an assortment, but they're part of the same theme. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, oh, how can people order? Like they, it's, you, you can't buy them. You can, ju- you can't just order a bunch. You would have to do a special order, right? How does it work? Yeah. It's just, it's a special order. Like this time of year, what I try to do, because so many people are asking, like I come up with four designs and then that's what I make. And then I'm like, these are the designs I can do. It's hard to do. Like if somebody's like, oh, well, I have a birthday on, you know, yeah. the 15th of December. So, um, but you can order, you know, it's all done through Instagram. Like people reach out to me and then I get back to them via email, but it's all done through cookie patch to on Instagram. Um, Instagram. Yeah. And people reach out to me and, um, and then we just start talking on the phone and collaborating and seeing what they want and what can do, what I can do. And I have one client who's, it's a back and forth every year to do his, uh, and I love it. I love it because he's so involved and it's like, he gives me ideas. He's like, what about if we do this here and do that there? And I'm like, I love it. Okay. Let's try it. Um, so yeah, they can, but they can order directly through, you know, through Instagram. I love that. And do you charge by the cookie? How does that work? Yeah, I charge. It's like four fifty a cookie. Yeah, is is my going rate. Um, and sometimes if there's bulk, you know, we'll give a we'll sure. give a discount. Yeah. yeah, but those cookies Definitely. are works of art. Do you find that people don't eat them and they put them in baggies and and put them and display them? I have a friend who I just ran into her at a going away party, and um, she said, "You know, I still have that cookie." in my freezer i'm like you do i'm like that was from like 2021 she's like i know i just love it it's so special it was for her grandson's uh uh birth so yeah how many cookie cutters do you have uh i have oh i've never counted but i have them here's i have enough now that i have to categorize them and put them in different like i've got letters i've got um numbers in one i've got apparel in one right i've got Food, um, so they're all categorized, but quite a bit. I'd probably like 250, I'd say. Wow. Um, have you ever made porny um, dirty? Have you really gone blue with any of your designs? Um, I haven't yet. Nobody's asked me, and I, yeah. I wish they would. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to manifest that for you in 2024. Maybe like a all right. Palm Springs Pig Weekend Cookie Fest. Exactly. Yeah. Bear fest. Bear yeah, fest. Yes. All of it. All of it. Yeah. IML. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Are you worried that Ozempic is going to cut into your demand? That nobody's Ooh. eating anything anymore. Listen, I have friends who are on Ozempic who are eating my cookies. So there you go. That says yeah. something right there. Right. Your cookies can burst through the Ozempic indifference to food. Yeah. Um, what has it meant to you in your life to have discovered this outlet? I mean, it really was, it came out of, you know, I thought a 10 year relationship ending and that was, you know, difficult. And it was really being alone and being quiet and being by myself and worrying about what will that look like and what will that be? And out of that came, you know, this, this 
gift that I have of making these cookies and, and creating and drawing. And it just, it tapped into something that I'd forgotten about for years, like, which was drawing and my love of drawing, my love of creating, you know, um, and this really gave me that outlet and I'm just so grateful for it. Would you encourage other people that have ideas like that to kind of go for it? Was it did it kind of empower you to be like, yeah, do that thing. Absolutely. I mean, I, one of the books I read was from, um, Ellen Marie Bennett. I don't know if you know, she, she created, um, uh, Headley and Bennett, which is an apron company. If you watch any Food Network show, you see that ampersand that's on the, on the, um, um, uh, aprons. And that's the one that I wore, the, the Snoopy one that's in my picture. Um, but she wrote a book. I have it in front of me here. It's, it's, um, Dream First Details Later. And it's about her story of, you know, working in restaurants and working with these aprons that were really crappy and shitty. And she, you know, created her own and was like going around all these different restaurants and selling them. And now she's got this like huge business based out of LA, which is amazing. Um, and it's, it's incredible. And this book, I, if anyone's trying to start a, a career or do something different, like I highly recommend this book. I mean, it really helped me. I'm not ready to quit my day job and open up a bakery. Like this is all still the side hustle for me, but you know, there's going to come a time when I'm like, I'm done with that. And I would love to pursue this full time and bring more people on and encourage other people. I think, you know, if the pandemic's taught us nothing, like at least for me, there's these silver linings. I mean, this is truly one of them, which is, um, I have, I have more business. People are knocking on my door. I had somebody, I did turn away business. I've never wanted to turn away business. And it's just like, I just don't have the bandwidth. It's, it's just me. Here's my final question. What have you learned about yourself through this odyssey? I've learned that I can make a pretty damn good cookie. Like, and I, <laughs> I've learned that I really, I mean, it's like, wow, I didn't even know I had this in me. And, um, like really good. Like I'm looking at the pictures going, he is crushing this. Yeah. I, I, I every time I get a new design, every time I, I, I'm like, I love doing it. And I'm like, and every time I, I send it to someone, I'm like, I really had so much fun. Thank you so much for allowing me to make those. And I'm like, oh my God, thanks for making them. And I'm like, no, you really like, you pushed me to like try something new. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think I could do that. Or somebody will give me something crazy to do. And I'm like, yeah, I just say yes. Like that's, I think what I've learned, like just say yes and then figure it out later. Love it. Thank you so much for, uh, for talking to me and congrats on, uh, your amazing cookies. Oh, thank you. I'm going to get you some. Okay. Get some. I love it. Thanks again to Patrick Marks and all my guests on the Holiday Gift Guide episode, Michael DiMartino, Eddie Shapiro, and Dudley Bean. All right, so this happened. I went country dancing last night for the first time in years. I used to really love it. Uh, A friend of mine named Michael Arnold, who I haven't talked to in decades, at least a decade, uh, we've been back in touch texting and, hey, do you want to go country dancing? I used to know him from Oil Can Harry's. And uh, so we found this thing on Instagram called Stud Country and it's like gay country and western dancing that they do in different cities around the country and they're doing it in Los Angeles on I think two nights a week at this place called La Bahia in Silver Lake and um, we just decided let's do it let's do it we're old we're like we'll take a disco nap we'll figure it out I went to spinning class before like a crazy person so I go to spinning class I come home I shower I have these boots that were not mine but I were passed down to me from a friend. So I'm like, I'm going to wear these boots. But I took sneakers just in case they were killing me. Well, I get there, 
It's in a pretty sketchy area. It's a little dark around there, a little scary to park. There was some glass windows broken out on some cars I'd seen. But, um, you know, I get in there. First of all, the boots are killing me. I I don't think I'm going to make it with these boots. Uh, I find Michael. I haven't seen him in so long. It's so good to see him. This place is magical. There are so many people country dancing. They are serious about their line dancing. Younger people, like people... I'm just so heartened to see, like, the younger generation of gay people taking up this mantle of country dancing, which was so fun for me when I was in my 30s and 40s and going to oil can Harry's all the time. And anyway, it was it was magic. I, I'm, I'm going to go back. I was We were, like, both hooked. And there was a big mix of men and women, um, really diverse, uh, younger, older, and just people having a blast. And I guess they teach two lessons, two line dances, you know, every night. So you can learn a, lo- a new line dance. But the people that had been going for a long time, near the end of the night, they just started doing line dance after line dance after line dance. And these people knew them all. They knew every one of them. And you could tell it was kind of like their favorite thing, like the highlight of their week and friendships were being made. And the, the space was kind of nice and and bigger. Like, oil, I loved Oil Can Harry's, but the roof was kind of low. This was like, it felt bigger and there was a lot of people there. It was a $20 cover. I'm like, what? Okay. But people were into it, and I am definitely going to go back. So there it is. I, my shit-kicking days are back, people. Um, stud Country. And you could follow it on Instagram. Um, my friend Michael and I were like, this is so sweet. We're so – I can't believe – I'm so glad we did this. It was one of those things where, like, you're kind of dragging your ass and do I feel like – and then you get there and you're like, this is amazing. So that's a lesson for life. Anyway, that's enough for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to all my guests. Go buy their stuff and stuff – Soft stuffings, stock stockings, stuff stockings, do all of the stuff. Before I let you go, I want to give a shout out to Oscar Ramirez for mixing the episodes. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for Placement Music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.